Blog Talk Radio. Hungering Radio will turn into a good show tonight for you with special guest Moot Lou. How about that rhyme, Cruiser Man? <laughs> Very good. Very good. Oh, Set I up love on that. The fly. I love it. It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Love me some TR-I. Great stuff. Yeah. Speaking of great stuff, tonight's show we got a great guest, Moot Lou. You're going to love him if you haven't heard him already. We... um. Of course, he opened for Todd in Daytona last year, Daytona Beach, and he's done a lot with Daryl Hall and John Oates and Amos Lee, so you may have heard him, and everybody pretty much that we know that we've introduced him to loves him. Great voice, a Philly guy, so that's cool. He's done a cover of Hello, It's Me for one of his rare CDs you probably can't find anywhere. We're going to play that for you tonight on the show, but Cruiser Mount. Yeah. This is Running the Radio. We got some Todd Runger to talk about, my word. I know. Lots, lots of news. Lots of breaking Ooh. news today. I'll tell you what. So we got Todd's the name of the new album. We got the name of the tour. And we have at least seven or eight tour dates. And even one pre sale code for one place. So let's uh get the party started. So the name of the album is going to be White Night. K-N-I-G-H-T, hmm? White Knight. The tour is, we're not exactly sure how to pronounce it. We're going to roll with it. The Chival Rock Tour, C-H-I-V-A-L-C-O-R-O-C-K, so like chivalry, we think, Chival Rock Tour. We don't know what that is. Nobody does, I don't think, so we're going to find out. But that's it. We don't know anything else about it other than what we've told you in the past. We believe well, we know there's some duets. We know there's some collaborations, as Eric Gardner called it last week on the show. Uh, Trent Reznor is supposed to be on it, Nine Inch Nails, and Kenny Emerson is supposed to be on it. That's all we know. So, Cruiser, I'll tell them the more exciting stuff about the tour dates. Well, they started trickling out this afternoon, and then it was like boom, boom, boom. Uh, every time you turned around and logged on Facebook or, or on the Internet, there was another show being announced. But uh, there's still some gaps, some holes in the schedule, so everybody needs to chill out, relax, <laughs> until everything's been announced. But you want me to go through the rundown on what, what has been announced? Absolutely. Okay. We're talking about the month of May, and he's starting off, or at least so far it looks like he's starting off in Burnsville, Minnesota at the AIM Center. And then here comes a big gap, about a week, and then May 10th, he's going to be in North Tonawanda, New York, at the Riviera Theater. May 11th, in Terrytown, New York, at the Terrytown Music Hall. 
where he he plays quite a bit. Uh, Saturday, May 13th, Kingston, New York, at the Ulster Pack, P-A-C. I'm not familiar with that one, but who knows. May 17th, Salisbury, Mass, at the Blue Ocean Music Hall. And those tickets, the pre-sale starts tomorrow, 10 a.m. Thursday, May 18th in Portland, Maine. May 25th, there's, see, there's another big gap there, Fort Myers, Florida. And May 27th, taking you right up until Memorial Day weekend, St. Petersburg, Florida at the Mahaffey Theater. Do we have any... Uh, pre-sale code action going for any of those? Whew, that is a great question. So the only one that I've seen is for the Tanawanda show, and it works. It's R Tops Toddster. So R as in Rungren, Tops, T-O-P-S, and then Toddster, T-O-D-D-S-T-E-R, That'll get you in for Tonawanda. It looks like the front center is gone, but there are aisle seats on B and C and that type of thing. You just got to keep fighting for it. Um, Linda Fisher said she didn't need a code, but I was able to get in with that code. Not sure. Oh, that's Terrytown, she's saying. This is Tonawanda. Terrytown doesn't need a code, apparently. So I would guess if you don't have a code, I would put forth an effort and try this R-Tops Toddster or just Toddster. Toddster was the past, the last two tours, it seems like, so use that. The thing to keep in mind, too, on pre-sales, some of these, like EJ's mentioned in the chat room, St. Peter, $500 to be a member or whatever, those people probably aren't going to go see Todd unless they're brokers. They might buy the tickets. So you'll still get tickets when the tickets uh, go on public sale. And we're not uh sorry to sound like I'm lecturing, but we're not entitled to pre sales. Pre sales for some places are for members or contributors. You know, for example, if uh you have a theater that's non profit, you know, there may be ten thousand dollar donors and they get first dibs, that type of thing. So sometimes you gotta let the process work through itself and then sometimes there's just a pre sale for fans and Todd Store usually gives you that information. So if it is that way it's probably Toddster, T O D D S T E R. But uh, Runger Radio is not doing any of those shows, so we can't hook you up with any passcodes. We don't know anything other than what we're telling you right now. Correct. So there you go. All right, speaking of Runger Radio, let's move on. We've got uh, a Facebook page. It's Todd Rungren Rungren Radio, with Rungren Radio being one word on that deal. Come join us because we'll be posting um, tour dates pretty much as they happen. And then you can also go to our website, RungrenRadio.com, and go to the tour page, and it'll – show you two links one's ej site one's rogers and the only reason uh, we do that is because we, it's easy find two places if you look at both but ej's website is todd-rungren.com so it's pretty easy and of course rogers is trconnection.com if you want to just go direct but if you forget just go to rungrenradio.com on the tour page and you'll see it and next newsletter we'll send out all the dates probably um as they become available so we're going to play moot song real quick before he gets on the show but we do want to tell you that we are having our Labor Day weekend event. All we know right now is that Secret Society will be performing. Uh, we're working on other cool things, a possible uh, reuniting Maurice and the Raw Pyramid, you know, things like that. We've got all kind of stuff going on. But that's all we know at this point. But we do have a hotel available, so we do know that. And the 
uh, code is RR10, so R-R-T-E-N, RR for Rungan Radio, obviously. I know I sound that very southern. But RR10 is the passcode. It's the Boston Park Plaza, and the dates are Labor Day weekend. We suggest Friday, Saturday, Sunday that you stay. Uh, some people will come in Thursday for fun, but we'll have parties for sure. We'll have something for sure on Saturday, Sunday, and maybe something on Friday. So uh, the rooms are, you know, you're not locked in if you need to cancel that Friday for some reason or whatever. So don't worry about that. So go get you a room. The link is on our Facebook page. You can also go to our website that we're in the process of building. It is rrxboston.com, and it has the hotel information, an easy link to go direct to it. So Very good. without further ado, Cruiser Mail, unless we have anything else, let's play a little Moot action. What do you say? Yes, please. All right, so Moot Lou is a singer-songwriter. Uh, I first heard him when he opened for John Oates. He also performed with John that night on a couple songs. And you might have seen him on Live from Daryl's. He's been on a couple of times. One of the deals was with Amos Lee, if you're familiar with him. And when we saw him, just really liked him a lot. It was a great show. He's very, very entertaining. So we've seen him several times now. And, of course, he got to open for Todd in Daytona. He's a big Todd fan. So for some reason, he never told us until – last year that he had covered Hello, It's Me on a CD, or EP, excuse me. So here it goes. This is Hello, It's Me, and by the time it's done, hopefully he will call in, and we'll talk with him, and you're welcome to call in, not ask questions, 646-716-9262, and press 1 when you do. Here we go.
need a reason to smile And spend the night if you think I Sometimes the things that you don't overthink too much, those become the, the songs that you know that stick. 
and I don't no pun intended because you know it's all about sticky sweet caramel <laughs> and that song. <laughs> yeah, well, Todd claims he had a dream for uh, banging the drum. So yeah, sometimes they just there you go. I saw the light was what he did real quick, but uh, so yeah. Speaking of Todd, you know we'll get into that a little bit too. So uh, we know that he's had some influence on you being from Philly as well as Daryl Hall and the, and the crew from over there. So uh, tell us a little bit about your experience. You know when you when you first heard Todd and uh, what kind of influence he had on you, and then I'd love to well, definitely we'll talk to you about the Hall and Oates connection. So absolutely. Um, well, I think the first record I heard. Um, was something anything and um i guess that's probably the starting point for for a lot of people but uh even now just like that record just still blows my mind i mean um song for song top you know top to bottom it's just incredible and then uh i don't think when i first heard it i realized that he was basically playing everything except for those last sample of songs and then that kind of intrigued me even more because i I love the tunes um i mean there's the, the classic songs like hello it's me and i saw it but like uh like a cold morning light, I love that song, and even some of the wackier stuff like Piss Aaron, you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of like um, it's rare that there's a record that shows such a range um, for 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 an artist, and that's kind of one of those masterpieces. I was kind of like a songs in the key of life, or uh, um, or um, you know, Stadium. some of those incredible records that Prince made, you know. So um, that that record just blew my mind, and I, there's. When I first discovered Todd, I was just listening to that over and over again. Awesome. So tell us about how you met Daryl and John. I mean, you've had a long-term relationship with them. You've opened for them a ton and been on stage with them a ton, been on live from Daryl's. How did that come about? Was it the Philly connection or something else? Well, that was actually through um, the late, great T-Bone Walk, who sadly passed away, I guess, almost seven years ago now. Um, But uh, T-Bone produced my... uh, my first album, my debut album, which was on uh, Manhattan Records, and um, he introduced me to Daryl, and we we just uh, we hit it off. You know, I mean, T-Bone was such an incredible musician. He was someone who really, you know, uh, was just a huge mentor to me. And uh, we record a good portion of the album at Daryl's uh, studio that he had up there in Pauling, um, which I think is still there in some shape or form. And the uh, first time, actually, they were doing a separate session. Um, but uh, T-Bone introduced us, and we hit it off. We started talking about Philly, started talking about music. Um, and then the next time we were there, I think they were they were traveling with a string section um, at that time, and they had a string rehearsal, and we had a session booked there right after. And uh, we pulled up the track, see what it brings, played it for Daryl, and uh, he was just like, yeah, I'll sing on this. It was one of those kind of um, serendipitous things that uh, that just uh, that happens with musicians. And then uh, not too long after that, I met John at a gig they did in Philly, um, it was like a holiday show, and uh, with both Daryl and John, I just uh, hit it off from the beginning. It's just it's like that Philly, that Philly bond. You know, we just sort of uh, connected on that level, and then um, before long, they were inviting me out to do shows, and uh, and I got to go on live from Daryl's house. Um, but uh, but it was really through T Bone Walk, who was you know that was the connection. Yep, T Bone. I got I got to meet him at the last Philly Spectrum show. Allegedly, it was the last Philly Spectrum, and that's one regret. We were talking yeah. to him about getting on a show, and Elliot Lewis was there telling him that he had a good time being on our show, and I gave him our email address, and wasn't much longer, sadly, he passed away, and he's definitely missed among Hall & Oates fans and Todd fans. Everybody knew who he was. and that he, is, he was uh, incredible. Yeah. yeah, great musician. He's really so, sad. It's so hard to believe, you know, uh, but he's one of those guys. Yeah. You know, he lives on because he connected with, you know, he 
had such a presence with so many different artists, both bigger names and people more to the radar. So, you know, he kind of lives on through that work, you know. Well, he was pretty much, from what I understand, you know, I don't want to call it a musical director as much as like just the glue that kind of held everything together for life from Daryl's and Holland Oates for years. Like it was a big loss for Daryl. And- no, it was huge. I mean, he was, they always, they always had the joke, uh, you know, Daryl and John's like, he's the ampersand in uh, Hall and Oates, you know, that was, he was just such a huge part of their, their scene musically. And just uh even at the shows, you know, it's like when I first started opening for them, you know, he was just such a, such a presence, you know, he's just one of those guys and he was very low key and unassuming. He just was just, just, you know, he's one of those people, man. You know, he's just a uh, special one of a kind. Yep. Good people. So speaking of that, you know, a lot of people have the belief that Daryl's not always the nicest guy and he's, and he's of course somewhat elusive. I know it's pretty hard for fans to meet him compared to John Oates. Um, has y'all's relationship since that first meeting, stayed as good as it was the first time you met and how do you see him usually when he's socializing and mingling with people uh is it you know i know he's got he's such a big name it's probably hard to be you know on his game all the time but how would you describe daryl and 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 it's just general i've always found him i mean i mean i guess i have a unique perspective on it um but uh i mean he's always been just kind of so friendly and supportive and accessible um, to me, um, you know, at the shows and everything. I mean, a lot of times with those big shows, you know, um, there's a lot going on. And if I'm the opening act on any any show, I try to kind of stay out of the way and not, you know, there's, there's a big crew and it's a big production and stuff. So, but uh, any opportunity that he's, you know, whenever there's an opportunity at a show or um, at his club, you know, at Daryl's house up in fall, I mean, he's always, for me personally, been very accessible and very um, and very open and very encouraging. And I same, I would say for John. I mean, uh, for me, I mean that's like getting to know those guys. I mean, they're among my musical heroes. That's you know, it's a hard music is a hard it's a hard game to be in. It's a hard way to make a living. So to get to meet your heroes and you get to become friends with them, and then to tour as you know their opening act and um, and just get to know them a bit and pick their brain. Uh, um, that's been incredible. But for me personally, uh, you know, Daryl's always been very accessible. And, and I, even there, you know, the few times when I've been over at Daryl's house and if he's there, you know, um, he'll just come and hang. And I mean, I, I think he's pretty approachable. Probably for any artist, you know, if you're, if you're in a show situation, uh, sometimes you're in that zone, you're getting ready to go on stage or if it's in a long tour, you know, there's, there's, there's times that are more ideal than others to interact with people. Um, but, uh, in my experience with both he and John, they've just been incredible. And, you know, that's just been like a dream come true in a lot of ways. I bet. That's great. I mean, they've definitely, um, had you perform with them a bunch and I, I, that's how we found you. You know, my wife and I, when you were opening for John, I mean, it's, it's been a great relationship and I'm glad it's worked out so well for you. And I, uh, I'm not forgetting that I have a co-host here, but crazy, I'm going to play this. I got a clip from see what it brings. Uh, that's got some Daryl in it, so everybody can hear that, and then I'll, I'll uh, right on. we'll bring Mel in. We'll, we'll wake her up. She's probably going, God, Doug's killing me. <laughs> All right, so here we go, everybody. This is Mootloo. See what it brings. A little Daryl Hall action. You'll notice it when it comes in. It's about a minute and a half. Here we go. The is opening clearly. We've all been here before. I can feel it all around me. Well, it's time to ask for more. Nothing that we can't handle, and it's nothing that we can't do. 
Oh yeah, that was fun. That's still kind of you know. Every time I hear that come on, it's still kind of uh, it's still kind of surreal. Even though I've had a chance to work with uh, with Darren Hall notes so much um, and John, it's like still. I remember that feeling of like listening back to it before the record came. Like man, it's like they're all on this record. It's like still kind of surreal just to hear it. So have you ever <laughs> thought about approaching Todd Rundgren to see if he might want to do a song with you? Hey, I would absolutely love that, and um. I don't know. I mean, you guys would probably be facilitate that. That would be that would be another, uh, you know, like there's like if you have a bucket list of people, you know, of heroes to work with, the Todd would be, you know, right up there um, in that echelon along with Darren John. That'd be incredible, you know. Sure, sure. So, um, have you only opened for for Todd that one time about a year ago in in Daytona, Florida? Yeah, that was the only time. Um, okay, what kind know, of interaction did you have with with Todd, if any? I mean, we did see a picture of you guys, or a couple of them, so we know yeah. that y'all at least were in the same room at the same time at one point. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the night, um, and I think we were all kind of there. I mean, he was in a, he was in a, I think he was like kind of under the weather, but he was, uh, it seemed like in a pretty good upbeat mood. We spoke for a little bit right at the end of the night there. I mean, it was brief. We talked a little bit about Philly. If I recall correctly, the conversation kind of <laughs> was like a very random element came up somehow. We talked about cheesesteaks. We talked about Philly. Somehow the Muppets came up. I don't know how I remember how that came up exactly. Um, <laughs> we covered a broad base in a short amount of time, but that was, you know, that was really cool just to get to meet him and uh, and uh, and to do that show with him and with you guys with uh, Rungren Radio. Um, and I, I guess it's incredible because I've always been a fan of his. That's actually the first time I got to see him play live. And um, one of the things that, like, I think I think people know about Todd, but, I mean, he's like a, you know, he has so many aspects to what he does musically. Um, the guitar hero element, that kind of blew my mind. I mean, some of those solos that he was playing that night was just, uh, you know, he's up there, I think, among, you know, the great, great guitar players when he, when he gets into that zone, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, Yep. What'd you say, Doug? That we love us some guitar, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people know him for his ballads. I was just a big guilty of that for years. But uh, once you hear Black Mariah or some other songs he does on guitar, it's like, whoa, this guy's right. it's totally like that different. Whole, yes, that whole other side. Yeah, I mean, he's got that incredible melodic thing. But, um, you know, uh, and there's that's a unique thing. I mean, there's a lot of artists. Uh, he, I, I think of someone like Neil Young. You know, he has that really sweet kind of country folk side and then the shredding kind of thing. And, there's not that many artists that can kind of go from opposite ends of the spectrum uh, stylistically that that easily, and I think Todd's like one of the few, you know. Yeah, excellent. So we're gonna keep talking about some other artists, and then we're gonna talk all about Mootloo. But I want to get some of this this out because I know uh, it's been a big part of your career, and and then I know at some point you'll probably be doing the same thing for some up-and-coming artists at some point, The, um, you know, because you're clearly doing well on your way up, all those important things. So, Amos Lee, how, how did that relationship come about? Well, that's, uh, you know, Amos is like my brother from another mother, you know. He's um, <laughs> he, he's one of the people I've met uh, early, early on when I first started playing around Philly. Um, you know, one of the first people I met, really, 
and we just hit it off. We had that connection with the R&B thing, and we just hit it off personally. And, um, I mean, I guess I've been touring with him on and off for I mean, almost about 10 years now. Basically, as long as I've been on the road, my first real shots to go out and tour were with him. Um, you know, mainly opening shows, but I was in his band for a few years, too. Um, you know, uh, when he was touring behind his Mission Bell album, he kind of put, like, a little bit of a bigger band lineup together. And um, and then I got this whole uh, tour coming up with him, started kicking off in a couple of days, um, which I'm really excited for, all through Texas and the Southeast. And uh, that's just one of those things, you know, that's like, uh, you know, how musicians meet musicians. You know, we just sort of connected on that Philly scene. And um, even, you know, in a way, his band and, his, and the whole touring scene he's created, the success he's had is is, is like an extension of uh, of Philly. He's got a great band, group of guys that have been with him a long time, like uh, Fred Berman and uh, Jaron Alevsky, Andy Keenan, Zach Janikian, uh, Dave Strive is a newer guy. But these are all guys that are from the uh, from the Philly scene. It's kind of like, um, you know, his, his, his what he's done with his career is kind of an extension of that scene. That's kind of how we met was through that Philly uh, songwriter and soul scene. Yeah, you know, he – I don't know. My wife liked him first. I've been to some shows. I, I think he's a great entertainer. I like his music now. I, I don't know how to describe it, though. When people go, what does he do? What is Amos Lee? Because they'll go, yeah. hey, you're going to go see Mootloo in Birmingham? And I'm like, of course. You know, is he's going to open for Amos Lee. I'm like, what does he do? I'm like, uh, I don't know, cross between folk and pop maybe. I don't even know what to describe it. How would you describe it if, if you have a, a way would, of doing it that makes sense? Yes, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, because he really does cover a range. Um, uh, it's tough to put. Like he's sort of. There's an element to his thing that's like really from this classic soul and gospel thing, um, and then mm-hmm. he also has more of this uh, sort of folk songwriter thing. I mean, you know, like it's somewhere between like a R&B, soul, gospel, Americana. It's like all the different kind of tentacles of American music, and he. He kind of um, – it's hard to, like, label as any one thing, but I would say um, it's a hybrid of soul, gospel, folk, and rock, and, you know, just kind of like um, American roots music with a more R&B edge to it, I guess. It's hard to describe. Yeah, it's, it's a it, – You know? It's a great show, that's for sure. He's very entertaining. So I noticed Absolutely. that – I wish I could have – I'd love to go sometime. I still haven't been to Daryl's venue. But I notice mm-hmm. sometimes there and in Philly that you have a band. I've always seen you solo. Is it the same band usually? Are these friend friends of yours or uh, musicians you're helping out, or who's your who's your band that you take around? And how do you decide when you're going to do the band and when you're not? Well, it's really a lot of it is the situation, the economics. I mean, um, I, I do have a great core of guys that, uh, that I've been working with for quite some time now from Philly. Um, Chris Giraldi who plays drums. Uh, Keith Joza, who plays uh, keys and guitar and occasionally bass, um, and then Tom Whitfield, who's a great uh, bass player too. So it's kind of been those three guys, either as a trio or a quartet. Um, and uh, I mean, in, in a perfect world, I wish we could do more band stuff. It's just that, like I'd say, ninety-five percent of my work uh, is solo, and part of it is just um, the economics of it. You know, uh, all the support stuff I've done touring across country with Amos and Hall and Oates. Um, that I've always done that solo. It's just you can cover more ground. It's it's more doable that way. And even now that I'm starting to tour on my own, a lot of cities I'm playing like um, you know kind of small small club listening rooms, um, uh, like like Eddie's Attic in Atlanta, which uh, or I should say Decatur, Georgia, which is an awesome place. Right. But you know rooms that are more conducive to that solo songwriter thing. So um, but there's been situations in Philly, in New York, at Daryl's house, when and where I can. 
and it makes sense and the bright budget and opportunities there. I love playing with the band. I just, you know, um, I love playing solo too, but, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's really fun to get to cut loose and kind of open things up and open up the arrangements with the band when we can do it. But your, your recordings have pretty much been all you, right? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. I mean, um, <laughs> It depends on how you look at it. the last couple EPs I did. I guess my recordings have always been more, less like a band go into the studio with a band and cut live kind of aesthetic. It's always been more um, programming oriented. Like the last couple EPs I actually recorded in uh, in uh, Orlando, Florida, with my friend Darius Amendolia. Um He's a ta- he's a talented musician producer. He's got like a home studio there, and we pretty much cut everything the two of us. You know, um, we co-wrote some of the songs. Some of the songs were things I brought in. Um, but we would just sort of, uh, you know, layer the stuff and layer down programming tracks and overdub. And, and really, that's kind of how we did the Live In It album, too. It was mostly just me and T-Bone, um, you know. So I've, I've had this thing of working with sort of multi-instrumentalist programmer types. And, again, that's an economics thing, too. You can do that in a home studio uh, pretty easily. And even with the T-Bone record, just he played everything. That was kind of a fun way to do it. So, um I will say, though, on the Living It album with T-Bone, once we laid everything down, uh, Steve Holly came and played, like, live drums on most of the stuff. Uh, so, huh. so yeah, I guess in, the, in a way, I've always kind of – I have this, like, weird tr- trio of situations. <laughs> I tour mostly solo. In the studio, I do a programming thing. And then occasionally I do a live band thing, which is kind of different than how I do in the studio. And sometimes that becomes a little bit of a conundrum to negotiate all those different things. Because um, people might hear one thing on the record, and then uh, you know, then they see me solo. But my hope is that the voice and the songs and all that stuff cuts through, no matter what the what the situation is. You know, absolutely. So I got a short clip of living it. I want to play, and then I want to ask cool. you about the the mini EPs versus LPs. We'll talk about that for a second. So uh, this is a quick clip. Right this on. is living it, produced by T Bone. Cut those songs off. I love that. Good I was stuff. Quick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we got to talk to you about other stuff. Everybody needs to buy those too, instead of listening to them on here. MootlooSounds.com is is Mootloo's website. Guaranteed, That's any right. CD you get, you will love it. So it's all good stuff. Um, so you got mostly though at the shows anyway. You, you're you have EPs. Um, mm-hmm. What's what's the advantage of doing that? Or you just like to get stuff out quicker? Is that why you do that? Yeah, you know, again, I'll come back to the same. Well, I think that's a couple of different things. Um, I mean, I still believe in the, uh, you know, album aesthetic, you know. Um, like, and I would probably still do that at a point in time. But I think for me, I'm someone who's out there independently. I'm, I'm doing it on my own in like a kind of a shoestring budget. And just like the touring, uh, you know, it's simpler. And I can kind of get more traction going solo. I kind of feel the recording thing is the same way. Uh, you know, it's. I can get more, more, get more bang for the buck more frequently putting out EPs, four or five songs than, um, you know, than trying to constantly make uh, albums, which is like more of a expensive and more costly from a time perspective, like process. So um, that's kind yeah. of been my thing is just put out an EP a year. Um, that's what I've done the last few years anyway. 
Um, and I also just think in this day and age, I mean, it, it's sort of more the era of singles and EPs. Uh, I think just the way people listen to music now with streaming, it's more about content, 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 you know. Um, and uh, I think uh, I think it's partially that too, but I still do like, uh, you know, I still do really dig the album format. Like Living is something I'm really proud of. Um, I mean, a lot of the classic, classic recordings are, are albums. You know, I think my buddy Amos, you know, He's he's like six albums in now. You know he takes his time and he and he makes a full album statement. Um, you think of all the classic Todd records, Hall Notes records, Stevie, all these people. There's still something to be said for an album. I just think it's partly circumstance and and it kind of plays into the current climate of just like streaming. But I just do the EP mm-hmm. thing. All right. Well, I want to get into some video talk too before that. So these EPs, Mel and I got to see this early on with the guy. It was open for Todd. His name was Paul Freeman. He had an EP sell it for five bucks after the show, and the guy would have a, yep. a, a line a mile long, and it's similar to what I've seen with you. I mean, you you win the crowd over, and they want to come meet you, and they'll get your EPs right after the show. I mean, have, have you uh, is that always fun for you? I mean, you're real good about meeting people and taking time and spending time with them. Um, how do you like doing that? You think you'll do that forever? Is <laughs> eventually it's going to get too crazy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe. I guess maybe there's a point where if you get to a certain level, I, I see bigger, bigger names, maybe don't do it as much. But for me, for the time being and for the foreseeable future, that's what I do. Cause it, in a way that's a, there's no better connection to, um, to your fans and to kind of build that community than that. You know, if someone discovers you at a show, you're, you're open up for a bigger name. Um, and then uh, if you can actually make that personal connection with them, you know, after the show, I always I love to do that because you kind of get to meet people firsthand. You sign something for them, and that's that's a that's a powerful connection. And uh, and I just enjoy the process of doing that. Um, and I think it I think once now like the last year or so, I've started uh, touring more and more on my own. Um, you know, playing my own kind of like small club shows. I've really seen that that does pay off because uh, even in the small clubs, you know, you're kind of right in there with people. I think you know music is like a human thing. It's a community thing especially on the smaller scale. So I, I think it's like, it's, to me, it's essential. It's huge, you know? Yeah. You got the best merch salesperson on the planet too that helps out with that. That's right. <laughs> and I love oh, the yeah. t-shirt. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 My, my friend, uh, my friend Celeste Clover, she designed that shirt and, uh, and, um, you know, my girlfriend, Billy, I'll say she's like my tour manager on the road work, yep. two person operation in the Highlander. She does great. Um, but, <laughs> Yeah, she sold out the the stuff at uh, Daytona. I remember that. Good job. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. John Oates has a nickname for us. He calls us the traveling mootloos, the two of us. So, uh, you know. I love it. So, I'm going to ask you about a video and play a song, then we got a call from Georgia. I know who that is. I want to chat with you. But uh, So, let's talk about Hypnotize for a minute. That's a professional video that could have been on MTV back in the day, probably before y'all were born, but when they played videos on MTV. Um, yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, so, how did that come about? I mean, you have a, a friend that does those type of things, or that just you just hire a company to do it. I mean, it's really it's very nicely done. It's a great song too, by the way. Oh, thank you, man. Well, actually, that was something that uh, uh, Darius, who I mentioned, produced the last couple of EPs with me and Delia, sort of uh, came up with as a concept that we would do like a sort of like a more professional classic video. Um, and then uh, we met this guy, Chris Newhart. He's a really uh, talented uh he does videos and works in film and uh we just sort of connected with him online i guess Delia found him and um 
we said, what the hey, you know, I'd never really done like a pro video like that. We got a bunch of our friends there, and we created that kind of like, uh, kind of like you said, like what you would see on MTV back in the day. I guess it's weird to say that's almost a throwback now, but, um, you know, we did it in one day, and it was it was really fun. I mean, I haven't done anything like that before or since, but I would do it again. I think I think there's still space for that, you know. Um, I mean, I do a lot of uh, just sort of solo acoustic, like, covers and YouTube videos and stuff like that, um, and people dig that, too. But there is something about the production value. And for that song, it kind of we had two versions of that song. That was kind of the more, like, almost R&B club kind of ver- version. It seemed right for, like, the house party vibe. So part of it is having the right idea. And if the right idea is there, you can do something cool. So we'll see. Maybe we'll do something again like that um, down the road. But, uh, you know, fun. but it was fun. We'll get all the uh, Rungan Radio fans in your video, man. We'll be all your, right. we'll be your extra. You, go. <laughs> <laughs> you got some pretty people in the group. All right, so let's play yeah, a little bit of uh, a little over a minute. Uh, this song was the video. If you haven't seen it, you can go to YouTube and check it out. It's very cool. And uh, we'll be right back. We'll take our call from Atlanta. You're listening to Rungan Radio with our guest, Mootloo. singing that out loud <laughs> terrified people speaking of you're you're uh i've seen you several times and i don't know how you do it but i've never seen you miss a note your voice is always spot on and you hit some good ones it's pretty amazing so Thank uh you, man. you've been blessed on that well, deal all right so we're gonna take a call from rosemary over in georgia what's happening rosemary hey guys <laughs> i have hey, to say hey. that hi How's it going, we met, Good, thanks. We met after the show. We had a picture with your girlfriend, you and me. Oh, right at, on. In right Atlanta. On. Yeah. Very cool. That so. was a fun night. That was a fun show. <laughs> it was. It was really fun. Um, I I did a bad thing, and I never listened um, to uh, Doug when he said, check out this <laughs> guy. And now I know better because um, you were awesome. <laughs> Oh, I mean, thank you I've so had, much. You're welcome. I've had so many people um, when I said, you know, who is this guy? And everybody that looked him up, and then, of course, when I saw you, they said, you just have a wonderful voice, just a wonderful, wonderful voice. Everybody comments on that. Well, I really and, appreciate it. That was a special night, too. That was, uh, you know, that's just a great room. It sounds just felt that that. You know, that was just, there was a certain energy that was in, in, the, in the venue that night that just, um, I don't know, sometimes it's like, 
you know, those are the nights you live for where it just there's that kind of connection that everybody's dialed in and uh and Eddie's attic up's the perfect place for like sort of that solo kind of gig, you know. Yeah, I was sitting up like in the the bleacher part so I could see everybody below and you had oh, some right on. crazy fans there just like dancing <laughs> in their seats and singing along, even when, you know, before you asked them to help sing along, but they sang along anyway. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, the caramel uh, sing along was pretty epic, I think. Uh, that was that really one. good. <laughs> 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 and I really, uh, it brought tears to my eyes, the, the song about morning that you Oh, sang. hello morning. Oh, right Oh, on, my right gosh. That, that, that was really, really touching song. So I just want to say I really enjoyed it, and and thank, thank you, so you Doug. <laughs> for, sure. for, uh, yeah, I finally got you out there. So, Moodle, that's the third time you played Eddie's yeah. Attic, right? Uh, yeah, that's Is the that third th- time I've um, headlined there. First, you know, uh, I guess first time was maybe right around this time last year, and then I was there in the fall, and um, and then this was yeah, this is my third time back, and that's when Atlanta's become one of those markets. Like, there's a lot of different cities I'm going to just going on my own, build it up. But like first time, I'm like a little light, and then you go back again, and it's a little more, and then next time you go back, and hopefully it's sold out. That's kind of what happened there was, uh, um, you know, we, we had a sold-out night, and that's that's been a big turning point for me. Is to, and, I, and it's kind of a scary thing is to go out, you know, after <laughs> you spent years as the opening act, to, to go and try to start headlining shows on your own in different cities. And, uh, you know, especially if you're independent, you don't have, like, a huge marketing machine. You kind of got to do it grassroots, and um, – and so when you go back three, four times and, and you go from, you know, maybe uh, kind of a sparse turnout the first time and by that third or fourth time people are packing it in, that's like that's sort of really, you know, it's just a good feeling, you know. Yeah, it was like standing room. There was standing room only, and there was a couple of people standing there. So, And my friend yeah. uh, that I got to take with me, he's like, if this guy comes back, I'm going to recommend him to all my friends. So. Right on. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Word of mouth, baby. Word of mouth. That's yeah. the most powerful tool there is, you know? Well, thank I've you to both of you. Somebody... <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so I've yet sent somebody to a show that hasn't come back blown away. Abby Ray's a huge fan. She's going to see you yeah. in Dallas. Rosemary will see you oh, next right time on. you come to Georgia. Yeah, we're, we're getting people yep. out, but uh, once they see, it's on. They figure it out, just like it happened with, uh, with me. That's stuff, man. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, all right, so I got a little bit, actually, since Rosemary brought it up, I got about 30 seconds of Hello Morning. I think this may be my wife's favorite song. She's uh, the biggest Midley fan ever, so um, oh, let's play a little bit of that. And then, uh, Rosemary, you got anything else you wanted to say before I put that going? No, just, just thank you. <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> no, thank you. Nice talking with you again. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. All right, here we go. This is a little bit of Hello Morning from Mootloo. Hello Morning Have mercy on me, please My heart is breaking Just give me a chance to breathe The tears are rolling And it's getting hard to see Hello There we go. Great yeah. song. Good stuff. All right, so we have some other callers in. This is a first, I think, area code 603. You're with us. Hello. 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 How's it going? Hey, Moot. hey Moot. It's Will and Ruth up in New Hampshire. Uh, how are you doing? Oh, hey. How's it going? How's it going? Yeah, how's it going? Well, the first time we saw Moot Lou, um, 
It was at the Casino Ballroom out in Hampton, New Hampshire, and it, he blew us away. And uh, we've been fans ever since. And oh, so, right Moot, yeah, thanks for streaming the show in Cambridge. We couldn't make it, of course, for the snowstorm, uh, but you a fantastic show. We had a question for you. Yeah. Um, you know, what if – if any, what's your songwriting process? And uh, I'll, I'll I'll listen and and if, if there is one. So uh, I just wanted to see, you know see what you do and what do you do in the studio and how how does that uh, you know progress? Right on. That's a, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I wouldn't say there's necessarily a one set formula to it. Although for me, um, it depends on a couple things because I like to co-write with people. And then I also write on my own a good amount. And um, I've kind of gone through cycles where I'm co-writing more or writing more on my own. Um, I think for me, a lot of times it starts out with a, a melodic thing. Um, you know, there's usually some – I'll get some kind of melodic or hook idea uh, in my head, and and that will usually kind of like – I won't necessarily overthink that too much. If it kind of sticks with me and I, it keeps popping up and the idea keeps popping up, then I'll try to sit down and – and start to uh, start to flush it on the guitar, and then um, usually once I get that going, then that kind of leads to maybe a lyrical thing. I know for some writers that you know, it's the other way; they'll maybe have a lyrical idea or a concept, um, but for me, it's almost always some kind of melody, and then there's usually some kind of hook idea, and then hopefully that kind of hook idea leads into some kind of lyrical thing. Now, sometimes if I'm co-writing with people, it's a little different. Like maybe um, maybe one or the other writer will bring in like an idea and, you know, you just sit down and in that moment, try to flesh it out, uh, you know, um, or, or the other way it can happen is uh, maybe you just start from scratch and you try to come up with a concept for a song and try to write it there in the moment. Um, so it's a lot of different ways, but for me, I, I'm usually melody first, groove first. Um, and that usually kind of, uh, that kind of leads the way. Um, but, uh, but it, there's no real set process to it. And I kind of write in bunches. I might have like, I might write like, uh, I don't know, uh, turn out like four or five songs in a few weeks and there'll be a month or two where it's kind of quiet. It's very manic for me. Um, but mm. a lot of times when the ideas start to come, uh, I'll kind of, I'll kind of write in bunches, you know, and I tend not to write as much when I'm on the road. I, I feel like I kind of need more space, but, uh, if there's one overarching thing, it's always like melody first for me, I would say. Uh, now, it's really funny. We listen to Daryl once in a while, and he'll be in one song and kind of go into another song. Like, you know, he can go to, from I, I, can't go to the, I Can't Go For That into something else. Uh, do you find that uh, maybe an idea comes along and then six months later, like you're alluding to, you could actually put two together or, or yeah. something like that? Interesting. Yeah, def- definitely. Sometimes I think that happens um, uh, in a way because – you know, I think different ideas are fuel for other ideas. Like, who knows? Like, maybe um, maybe you have a groove or, like, a, a breakdown section of a certain song that on a given night you play it a little differently or you, you have a vocal riff over it differently or you kind of, like, uh, you play it at a different tempo or something and suddenly that sparks some other whole new idea. Um, that can mm. even happen in, like, sound checks sometimes. I mean, a lot of times I, the best ideas don't come about because, in my opinion, because you're pushing too hard it's like you're kind of just in that creative zone and um you know i've heard some people say it's almost like a i don't say divine intervention kind of thing but 
the, the ideas that really flow the best usually kind of come about serendipitously and they feel kind of like easy. And then for me, the hard part is always, you know, making sure the lyric feels right with the melody and then maybe coming up with a cool bridge or something. But a, a lot of the best ideas will kind of sometimes come out of uh, almost out of nowhere or maybe even sometimes as an appendage to a song you already have. Like you're saying how Daryl can kind of like go from one thing to another because it's all kind of like one creative force, I guess. So your songs, it's like the clay is the melody and the lyrics and you're just kind of like the, the conduit for that. It's, I don't know if that sounds a little too zen or something, but... <laughs> yeah. I great, great... Great stuff, and th- thank you for your music and everything you do. And uh, we love our Mutlu uh, T-shirts as well. Oh, right on! Thank you. <laughs> the caramelized me. Uh, have you gotten? Have you know had any weird comments? Is like people are like waiting behind you in line at the coffee shop or something, and they say like, "What is caramelized me, baby? What is that?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. No, no, actually, but you know, uh, but I tell you. Um, so we don't know when you're going to be at the club again, but as soon as you come up to Boston again, we're we're um, we're looking forward to seeing you. Well, I'll definitely be back. We haven't set a follow up date just yet, but especially with that huge snowstorm, I know yeah. there um, there's a number of people like uh, folks like yourselves who can make it. So I'll definitely be back there sooner than later, and um, you know, definitely looking forward to seeing you guys there. Okay, same here, and uh, keep up the good work. And thanks. Thanks, man. Great to hear from you. Good to hear from you too. That was a good call. I, I like Very the questions. Cool. Yes, wonderful. Hey, we got another one. You 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 ready to take on another caller? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Well, this is area code five zero eight. How you doing? Hey, this is Grady. Grady. Hey, Grady. Grady. Pleasure to be on the show. Missed the last one, but this one I just really had to be here. Moodlu, let me just. Uh, preface this by saying those of us who have seen the ever popular tortured artist effect video by Todd Rundgren remember very clearly the moment when he is impatient he is impatient for the Mm -hmm. next thing that he is going to get out of his shell and he reaches in and he doesn't want to wait and what he pulls out is a grenade (laughs) One of the things that I am really impressed with with your music is that you know exactly how hard to push without pushing too hard. That's one of the reasons that your vocals are so clear. I, I, I would be willing to bet you that whether or not you've had professional vocal training, you just know innately that if you push too hard, you'll harm your vocal cords, and every time you do that, you're going to lose a little of that sweetness, and I'm here to tell you, your vocals are incredibly sweet. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, um, and I, I know what you mean by that. That's something I, um, like what you're saying, I think is really important, especially once you start touring a lot, is like to, uh, sort of like singing is like running a marathon, you know, it's you don't want to, um, you don't want to burn yourself out. And I did take some voice lessons with a great voice teacher in, in Philly. Her name's Karen Bygott. And uh, she's a, more of an opera uh, singer and teacher. But it kind of like some of the techniques she taught me really, I think, have helped me now that I'm on the road more and, and playing. And um, and I think uh, I, I try to be conscious of, like, the dynamic, you know, like uh, 
uh, you know, one singer that I always really admired was Donny Hathaway, and uh, he had that kind of thing that you're talking about where it's like you know when to push, you know when to give it that extra something, and you also, it's equally important to know when not to do that and when to when to be more understated. And I think um, a lot of my favorite singers, uh, you know, uh, be it Daryl, John, be it Marvin Gaye, Steve, like they know, they, they understood that and understand that dynamic of uh, of nuance and um, and how to do it in a way that's like that's kind of tasteful and knowing when to push and when to lay back. And the thing about it is, it's not just your vocals. There's a there's a precision to your playing on the tracks that I've heard tonight. That's that's simply uh, uh, it. You need to talk about it. Uh, how do you get to that point? where when you're playing your instrument, there, there's a precision that goes past being tight to a point where it's just, it's fluid again. Well, I think, um, I appreciate you saying that because I always think of my, I think of myself as a singer first and um, and the guitar playing thing was never, I never thought of as my forte. It really started as a thing of, uh, of just um, as accompaniment for me and especially because I toured so much solo that I wanted to have like something you know, just solid, solid musical underpinnings. I'm, I'm definitely not a lead player. I'm more of like a, a rhythm player. I mean, some of that I would attribute to being around uh, just great musicians um, and just, you know, being around great players and, and you learn and you pick up things. And, uh, you know, it's my thing isn't like super virtuosity or proficiency. It's just stay in the pocket of, of what the song needs. And, um, and really it's just a kind of a means to an end because like I'm out there so much solo that, you know, I, I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing dynamically is is kind of supporting the song and supporting my vocal. But I guess it's, it's not. Um, it, it, I know what you mean. It's like it's a feel thing. It's not. It's not always about the individual notes or the virtuosity of it. It's like a. It's like a musicality, I guess, to it that you try to strive I've, for. I've really enjoyed hearing you speak on these two subjects, and I'm going to leave having heard you say in the pocket of what the song <laughs> needs. There you go. That's what it's all about, man. <laughs> Good night, and thanks for coming to Rundgren Radio tonight. Oh, thanks uh, Thanks for calling in. It's great to be here. Good talking with you. Thank you, Grady. Appreciate the call, Grady. See you soon, brother. So, Mutlu, uh, you were explaining a little, little while earlier, and I was a, a tad bit confused when you were talking about recording that you you do programming and and mm-hmm. uh does that mean that you are actually a multi-instrumentalist and you record yourself and then play it, you know, put it in the computer somehow? Actually, that I would say I've always partnered with uh program like people who are that me like tech like my thing is singing and performing. Um, singing, playing guitar. I can play a little bit of bass, a little bit of keys, but one thing I'm not is like for uh, high tech, uh, you know, proficient like recording wise. So, like I, I always try to collaborate with one other person who has those sort of chops. Like with T Bone, um, he sort of had a, a skill for programming and layering stuff. And uh, my friend Darius, who I did the last few EPs with, it was the same thing. Like he. Uh, He's very proficient with uh, just recording technology and um, and stuff like that. So usually the way that works is basically you kind of like 
kind of break the song down to its essence. You know, what is it on voice and guitar and then, or voice and keys say, and then we build it up from there. But that technical side of programming drums and things like that, that's something I always work with, you know, one other person on. I see. Okay. But the guitar is your, your main go-to. Yeah, that's my main go-to. You know, earlier on, I used to write more. I never really played it live much. I used to be sort of kind of gone to the periphery. I used to play more uh, piano and keys, and, and I I haven't played it a lot live, but I really like playing bass. Um, but I guess just for what I'm doing, like, most of the time, and even in the band context, yeah, it's always voice and guitar. That's kind of my cornerstone, you know? Right. Okay. Well, thanks for explaining that because I was yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if there was some computer program out there that, well, let's go see what we can see. You know what people have put out there as as drum sounds or whatever. So I get it now. Okay. Cool. Indeed. We've got another caller for you. Right on. Uh, hope you're ready. Indeed. This is area code eight one six. Is this Chris? Yeah. How you doing? We're fine. Hey. What's up, man? Well, I was totally unfamiliar with your music before uh, the before Rungren Radio uh, uh, sent out the email, and then I checked it out on YouTube. Wanted to compliment you. You've got an excellent. You probably haven't checked it in a while, but you have an excellent MySpace site. And uh, <laughs> I always thought oh, MySpace wow. was dr- so much better for discovering music than Facebook. It's funny you because know? I don't even know. It's weird how now in the like visual age there's these like sites that are just kind of relics. I mean, um, I don't mm-hmm. even know the last time I looked at. I don't even know how to get into that. But there's like millions and millions of MySpace pages out there that no one ever uses anymore. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, and but you got like 30 videos with different songs up there. Yeah, there's a lot That's of. Excellent. I, I remember, oh, thank you. I thank me. I should probably revisit that at some point. I haven't checked it. In a while. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, yeah, I really quite enjoy it. Uh, you know, really. Uh, um, oh, one other weird little thing. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I was listening to your song uh, "Caramel." That is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, anybody could tell you I'm a giant computer geek, and there's um, Android, the telephone, you know, the the, the Android phones. Each mm-hmm. version of it is named after a dessert item. Really? So uh, the current, huh. yeah, the current one, uh, version six is marshmallow, right? Well, version <laughs> seven is nougat. <laughs> nougat. That's a big part of the caramel. Nougat. That's, yeah. yeah. So I was like, uh, it's like they've got a new theme song. I'll send them a copy of your. Uh, <laughs> I'll send them a link to your song. <laughs> because they don't have any. So there's a uh, there's a show I watch every week about uh, about. Android, talking all about Android. So that that can become their new uh, Nougat theme song. <laughs> See, you never know. That's a good cross-marketing thing uh, right there. I always thought, yeah. like, you know, the song that surprised me first, and I thought it could maybe be like a good cross-marketing thing with Twix maybe, you know, Twix bars. But yeah. this would be way cooler and more high-tech, I think, to, uh, you well, know. Well, KitKat was, uh, Kit Kat was like, think version four. <laughs> right. <laughs> right on. Anyway. But uh, all right. Well, anyway, I just uh, wanted to say I really enjoyed uh, music, and hey, maybe uh, you know at some point we'll be able to uh, see if you're uh, if you're at a uh, you know if you open for Todd again. My brother and I oh, have yeah. been huge Todd fans forever. Well, thank you so and, much, uh, man. I really appreciate it. Chris well, is a good and, video uh, guy so too. Get, get you near him, he can make. I, a- I do. I yeah. 
I do a multicam concert video shoot. Oh, I cool. bring in eight cameras and shoot from uh, multiple angles. Wow. Wow, yeah. very cool. So. Yeah, I shot I shot 15, 15 shows in the month of January. Good Lord. Oh, man. Dude. Are you a busy man? Very cool. Very are, you busy. Based <laughs> up, are you based up in New England? Where are you, where are you based out of? Um, in Kansas City and Chicago. I've got apartments in both places and oh, go back and forth between Kansas them. I'm most... The Tank Room, actually. Do you know that place, the Tank Room? Um, no, I've, I've not been I've, there. That's a really cool spot. I just played there on this tour. Um, that's a great oh. room. Yeah, if you get a chance, check it out. And this girl, Jessica Page, she's local. She opened up. Um, but yeah, Kansas yeah. City, that's a, I mean, Chicago is obviously a great music town, too, goes without saying. But Kansas mm-hmm. City is uh, kind of a cool, happening place. It was, it was really fun. I opened for Amos yeah. there in the last part I did with him and then went back on my own. But uh, very cool. Maybe, uh, maybe cool. I'll see you out there this time around. Well, yeah, yeah. If you get it, if, I'd love, love to see Amos at, uh, at Knuckleheads, which is uh, my brother Corky and I's uh, favorite venue. Oh, is Fun that, place. Uh, is that also it's, yeah, it's also in Kansas City, right? Is that also yes. in Kansas City? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, it's a four-stage venue. Oh wow! Uh, wow. And uh, and yeah, and it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's what the uh, House of Blues pretends to be. It's a <laughs> uh, it's a it's a roadhouse in the bad part of town, but down by the railroad tracks. <laughs> it's got some character, and real grit to it. It's got real it, character. It, it's got giant. It's got huge piles of character. It's got like just <laughs> you can't move for all the character. And, uh, anyway, well, I'm sorry right, I missed you. Hadn't, uh, hadn't heard you before. Well, thank you very much. Thank Another you, man. Fan. We uh, we bring them out. We bring out the fans for Bootloo. So, Knuckleheads, uh, Mel and I did an event there as Onward Promotions, a little rock oh, show. Nice. It's it's a uh, outdoor. There's indoor. It's it's a great little place. But uh, Kansas City, great town. All right, so we got really Abby is. on hold. Abby got to see you in Texas, and she just is loves the music. But we want to play a clip first, so we'll mix it up a little bit, and then we'll get to Abby. So right I'm gonna on. do. I'm gonna let you pick. I got two left. I got Think It Over or Shaky Ground. Which route do you want to go? Um, I guess let's go with Shaky Ground. All right, here we go. This is about a minute. We'll be right back with Abby Ray on Rungan Radio. You're listening to Moot Lou. Here we go. It's understandably wrong We stun the magical Hunted like an animal Break up the cannibal Sits at the top Carefully examine you When you let your guard drop They gonna damage you The rapper flesh They couldn't care less About what you represent Cause it's only a test Success is what they call it They pull you in deeper You keep on falling Resistance grows weaker now Nice groovy feeling there. Mm-hmm. Right on, thank you. I think I'd like to listen to that while sitting on the beach or something. <laughs> exactly, mm-hmm. it kind of has that island vibe, and uh, and that's like its own uh, master production. We recorded that with Pete Moshe too, who's also like the in-house engineer. Um, 
and mixer, you know, for the live from Daryl's house and at the club Daryl's house. So that's one of those tracks that's just like, uh, you know, I do a little different solo, but um, I'm glad you guys dig that one. That's kind of, and actually later in the song, uh, G Love, you know, G Love and Special Love, he makes an appearance on that one, the rapping and playing some harmonicas. That's kind of a, a cool little tidbit for anyone who gets a chance to check out the full track. Yes, sir. That's an easy one to sing along to, too. The na 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 is not, not complicated for us. Yeah. Nonsense. <laughs> uh, I definitely want to talk to you too about the, the rap thing, but let's uh, let's get Abby on. I'm looking forward to talking to Abby. It's been a while. Yeah, let's get Abby on. Two one four, you're on the phone. Hey everyone, so glad you took my call. Hey, how's it going? I am so excited to come and see you here in Dallas. Um, Mel and I saw you above the Lakewood Theater a little while ago, and um, been looking for you to come ever since. So oh, very excited. Yeah, very, yeah, very excited to see you. And that's the kickoff of the uh, that's the first date on Amos's tour. So uh, yeah, just a couple nights away. I mean, that's a great town. Dallas is a great town. I always love going there. Just the whole Texas thing. Uh, Dallas, Austin, Houston. I mean, that's um, you know, there's a deep musical thing in all those cities. Yeah, I, I wish Austin and Houston were were closer so I could go to all three. Um, I had one quick question. Just you seem so mellow and comfortable on stage. Um, did that is that natural? Did it take you a long time to get to that point? Um, I remember I saw you in Daytona, and you you kind of wooed the crowd. Like I don't I didn't know you. I don't know if a lot of people knew you, and I just left a fan. Couldn't wait to go out and get your little EP. I I was so just I just really loved your music right from the beginning and you made everybody so comfortable it was um it was really nice oh i appreciate you saying that yeah i I mean you know i still um i think just over years and years of doing it uh i've gotten more comfortable with it i think there's always like a learning curve i mean i still have a certain bit of nerves especially sometimes playing the the uh the bigger places you know um especially because most of the time like when, when you go up in front of like hundreds or even thousands of people by yourself um there's a certain there's a little bit of nervousness that comes in with that, but I actually think that's good. That's what kind of keeps you tuned in. And then, you know, once I get up there and I'm settled in and I kind of feel the energy of the place, uh, you know, I think I've gotten more and more comfortable with that just years and years of doing it, you know. Um, I think that's just from, like anything, it's just like the more you're kind of tuned into something, the more experience you have with it, the more the more you kind of feel comfortable with it. But um, but I also think being doing a lot of big shows, you know, opening for uh, – for um, Hall of Notes and for, for Amos. And, um, you know, I also did a tour a number of years back opening for Joe Jackson. We were playing, like, theaters. Uh, you know, um, that I think you get getting that experience to just go up in front of a lot of people by yourself, that, that kind of becomes a great learning experience uh, in and of itself. Well, awesome. Well, I can't wait to see you uh, on Thursday night. Um, I'll definitely look to say hi and, um, and, and chat with you for a few. Right on. Look forward to seeing you then. So Abby, you, uh, you you have a Mootloo shirt, right? Did I send you one? No, you did not send me one. Did oh. I send you one? <laughs> well, you got to get a Mootloo shirt. And yes, I did. Did I not? No. I thought I bought you one. Okay, so you have not seen Amos Lee. Did you decide to um, not listen just to go be surprised? I'm gonna go and be surprised. All right. I, 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 <laughs> I you're like. 20. 20-second listen to one song. I saw he was kind of like folky, mellow, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to like him. And I decided I'm not going to listen to anything. I'm just going to go 
um, and be surprised. I hear it for Trina. You're going to like on it. A great show. She puts on a great show. Um, yeah. And uh, this tour, you know, just the just the performance, the band, the the production, I mean, they really got it dialed in, so definitely in for a treat. Got a female right. bass player. Is really a pretty, the Majestic is really a beautiful theater, too. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've never been there. I'm, I've heard it's like a great spot. I'm, ex- I'm excited for that. I love playing the theaters. You know, that's another thing, like, there's something about, the, you know, there's so many beautiful theaters across the country, and there's there's not quite an experience like playing one of those, you know, thousand or a few thousand seat kind of theaters. That's like a special mm-hmm. part of, I think, the, the sort of the touring world, you know? Yes, I agree. You know, it's, it's a topic I was going to bring up, and uh, also I'm curious about how you get from place to place. You're on the tour bus and stuff, but before that, so Sherry and I went to see you in New Jersey at a theater. Mm-hmm. And you opened famously, and it was just fantastic, and we had good seats, and everybody was, you know, respectable and quiet, and fans of Amos, they, you know, gave him songs to play, all that good stuff. Then we went to one of your favorite places, I'm sure, in, in Delaware, uh, World Cafe, and it, oh, I, yeah. it was it was like being at a frat party. Now, you <laughs> couldn't hear anything hardly. Everybody was just yakking it up, buying beer, tossing beer bottles in the trash can and stuff. It was totally different. <laughs> so I personally love you at a theater. Bars, well, not so much. It's funny because um, that's something that's really interesting. I think you can almost take the same set of people. If you put them in a theater, sit down thing, that becomes mm-hmm. one energy. If people are up and uh, drinking and standing and moving around, it creates a whole different vibe where it's more chatty and, uh, you know, it just it becomes more of like a bar kind of vibe, you know. Um, does that, and does I, that I bother you? Do you think you know, but you know the theater thing. I agree is where it's at for sure. Does it bother you when you hear all that racket, or does it just you're immune to it at this you know, point? You know, no, you know. I know how to. I mean, when you're up there solo and it's like that, it's tougher. Like there's a, there's definitely a difference between having a theater attentive, engaged uh, vibe, and when it's like more of a standing room J thing and you're the solo opener, it's always a little more of a challenge. But the way I look at it is, there's always still a contingent of people that are up front with you, and I, I just try to. Um, you know, I try to tune out whatever that chatter is in the back, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's different. It's hard to be quite as like, it's, it's not the same experience, you know, but I try to just, I try to just at that moment, just stay focused. And, uh, you know, you learn to try to like tune some of that out, even if people are, even if it's kind of loud or whatever. Gotcha. So when you go with Amos Lee, when you go to Dallas, are you, are you riding on a tour bus with him? Or are you driving yourself? Um, how do you no, get we're driving everywhere, Julia and I. Uh, there's some tours in the past where I was on the bus with Amos, um, you know, on certain tours. But the way, see, we've already been on the road for a few weeks, um, kind of doing my own shows, and now we're going from that to, like, to opening these shows for Amos. So it's just we just drive everywhere. That's kind of how we've done it the last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a great – I mean, there's certainly something to be said when you're on the bus. That's one experience, you know, you – you go to sleep, you wake up, and you're in the next place, and you, your your life is kind of on the bus. When you drive, it's, like, a little more tiring. Um, you know, sometimes, depending on the distance, like, you, you'll have to drive a few hours or even several hours after the show, get up, drive the day up. But you kind of see the country in a cool kind of way, uh, doing it the way yeah. you've been doing it. We've I hope you have a reward for all the gas. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, well, we stay at Hampton Inns. You know, we got the hookup at the Hampton Inns. So all... <laughs> you, you need a rewards <laughs> car for the gas. So are you afraid to fly, or you just like to drive? No, I'll fly. I, I like to fly. I mean, I I just think um, I, like if I go out to the West Coast or if it's something far out, I'll always will fly. But um, 
you know, I especially when you're like lugging merch and you have your guitar and all this stuff, like trying to figure that out, like going flights from gig to gig becomes kind of more stressful than if you can kind of just get in the car and go, you know. So, and yeah, driving is fun, man. You see the country, you see parts of the country you'd otherwise never get to see, you know. Like I'm in Shreveport, mm-hmm. uh, Louisiana right now as we speak, you know. So, nice. um <laughs> Casinos everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I noticed that. Everywhere I look. Yeah, yeah. Get you get you some crawfish while you're over there. Yeah, I know. Universe pad. <laughs> over there as well. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So if anybody else wants to call and talk to Mulu, it's six four six seven one six nine two sixty. You got to press one so we'll know that you want to chat. And so Abby, we're gonna keep you on if you got any other questions. So Mulu, um, so I don't know. You know, I'm older, and it's, you know, I can tell though that you and Amos, at least, I know you, you, you've got this love or this thing going with rap music, and you even mm-hmm. do some of your own. You know, and y'all get up there and start doing some of that. What's the story behind that, and what, uh, how much of that do you really do and, and like, and do y'all make that up on the fly? Yeah, well, um, I think that's just like sort of the era that we grew up with. Um, uh, you know. Um, Sort of like I was kind of coming kind of coming of age right when um, sort of what I call like the golden era of hip hop, you know, kind of late '80s, early '90s. You had like uh, De La Soul and uh, Tribe Called Quest, and uh, you know you had like Public Enemy and Run DMC. All this great, what I consider to be you know classic hip hop. Now you know you had bands like Thinkable mm-hmm. Planets who were mixing in jazz and and hip hop, and um, and I know for Amos it's the same thing. So we kind of grew up. Uh, listening to that, and um, I guess in its own way, it works its way into some of the songs. You know, sometimes it's more lyrical, like Shaky Ground, for example, of mine kind of has more of that lyrical thing where it's sort of a rap singing thing, or, and then sometimes it's more of just a groove uh, thing, you know, so I, I dig some of that hip-hop production, but, you know, it's, it's it's subtle within what I do, and I think what Amos does, but it's there. It's just, it's, just like, it's like an influence, just like, you know, R&B or reggae or or uh, mm-hmm. you know, or folk would be. But for me, it's definitely, it's definitely in there, and I think it's a big part of the Philly scene too. Um, you know. So what is the? My memory, as I get older, is not as great. What, what the the deal you do is a, a shower about a shower or something like that? You do a rap song at some of the shows. I've, what is that yeah, about? Yeah, for a while we haven't done it as much lately. Um, for a couple, of, and we've done it on rare occasions since. But for a couple of years, um, specifically when I was in the band we had a whole bit that was kind of like a tangent or sort of a medley out of um, or within uh, one of Amos's tunes, um, uh, you know, um, where uh, where we would sort of like, out, it's a shower of love, basically, is the song. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of silly. I just, <laughs> just kind of thinking about showers and uh, old school kind of love-making type of vibe, like Barry White or Teddy Pendergrass kind of influence. But, it's really, it was really just meant to have a laugh. And for a while, I was coming out in like a all white suit, and it was just more like <laughs> performance art mm-hmm. almost. <laughs> you know, we so do you make it up on the fires? That one is a song like, like board games that you kind of know most of it already. Well, that's a song I actually wrote with my friend Will Blair. He's like a great musician, producer, film composer actually from Philly. That was something totally different. We just. We had a good amount to drink one night, and we just, like, got this idea. We've kind of been just, you know, in our free time just writing silly songs, like just more to have a laugh. But we came up with this, uh, with the board games thing. That was more just a random idea uh, my friend Will and I had. And, like, again, that, kind of like Caramel, 
just meant to be silliness. You know, sometimes like you know, I don't I don't like to take anything too too seriously. But it's just funny <laughs> that those are the songs. Like board games is like probably one of my most popular tunes that I play because you know it's like entertainment value. You know. Yes. The shower. So the shower song though. Do you do you wing that each time or do you go with the same lyrics pretty much um, when you do? It's sort of a it's sort of a hybrid, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like it's sort of like there's sort of a general framework, and then within that framework, there's maybe something impromptu that might happen. You know, it's sort of like can there's we, a sort of a general plan to it, <laughs> I guess, or a general. End so point. can we, do you give us a little bit of that action? We'll we'll uh, uh, we'll play a song. song? Give you, okay. Yeah, the shower <laughs> song. You want a little break yeah, yeah, before? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, okay, so let's uh, do uh, actual. Okay. You want me to do Let's, actual, uh, like sort of a melody. There's sort of a it's sort of a build up, and then I sort of there's actually a little mini shower song song. It's like it's short. It's like, uh, uh, but it's sort of the, the how the thing kind of like climaxes in a way. <laughs> All right. You want you me wanna... to, I can sing that acapella if you guys want to hear it. Let's do it. This is yeah. this is the part that's always the same, and the build up to this is sort of always a little bit different. But uh, I'll sing it for it's, uh, And it's actually this song sort of came out as an appendage to the. Um, uh, Won't let me go, which is uh, you know uh, one of one of Amos's songs, but it's a medley that we sort of created and put into it. But uh, like I said, there's a you have to see the show to know it. There's know what I'm talking about, but there's a little bit of like a spoken part. I'm talking about wanting to shower with the girl and like, hey girl, you know, have you ever had a shower of love? And then finally, we eventually build up to this thing where I go, let's take a shower, baby, take our time. Don't the water gonna help us out? I got your favorite. Sensual shampoo and new baby girl, I wanna use it on you. Swishing and splashing, I'll give you a scrub. Let's have a shower, baby. Shower of love. Yeah, shower of love, baby. <laughs> Sounds like it there almost has to be a, a skit on Saturday Night Live or something. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. We've always, like with Amos and I, we've always had this, like, uh, you know, he was Caramel. You know, he, he played Caramel a lot early on when he started touring. He covered a lot, and we performed that a lot together. And then we sort of, uh, over time, we evolved out of that. We started doing um, the Shower of Love bit. And, you know, we'll do some, like, kind of, like, old-school kind of sexy R&B covers. It's like we have this thing. We actually have a thing called uh, um, Soulisms that we do, which is kind of like uh, it's sort of our sort of mock uh, R&B slash comedy duo, I guess I would call it, you know. So it's just, an, it's just a, it's like R&B silliness is what I would call it, but it's always been kind of a, a cornerstone of of our performances, whether it was Caramel or The Shower of Love or, uh, um, you know, whatever it is. You know, it kind of reminds me of, it kind of reminds me of that, those commercials with the fake Prince guy coming out of the washing machine. And right, right. There's a new one with him riding a horse. That's you know what I'm talking about? American Idol. That guy, yeah, that's yeah the Dr. Yeah. Pepper guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the sweet one. Isn't it? Yeah, that guy. That guy. That guy. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's, that's the guy from the Philly area. He's from Bucks County. I think he was the first yeah. runner up on the first American Idol. Um, uh, yeah, if you, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you could that. Sure <laughs> you could do that one, man. It's the sweet oh, one. Oh, yeah. I got. I could fill in for him if they ever, if you ever need to fill in, no problem. That's a riot, man. Yeah, <laughs> surprised he's not getting sued, but what are you gonna do? 
right, so good stuff. So, all right, we got another song we're going to play by Mootley. We're going to go from funny to serious here in a second. But if you want to call us, 646-716-9262, as long as Mootley can hang with us, because he's got a big week coming up soon. Um, so this is uh, our last clip, sadly, but you can uh, get all the music, com. So this is Think It Over. We'll take a little break and play that. You're listening to Rungan Radio. We'll be right back. Sing that one. <laughs> Great stuff. All right, so we got Mootloo on with us, and I think I muted him, but uh, we're going to bring him back to life. Crazy Mel, what do you think about that music? Oh, we got to we got to take that to the beach. I'm serious, or I may even I'm, I'm going to take take uh, one of those CDs with me on my cruise and just sit on the balcony and watch the ocean go by. There you go. There you that's go. that's what. It's, uh... It's like a chill 70s vibe, but that production, man, that's T-Bone, man. That's, uh, you know, he had a very specific um, way of putting the track together, and, uh, you know, that's still like, uh, you know, that's still kind of my, I, I have a bunch of EPs, but I've, that record is still probably what I'm most proud of, um, and it's really that's my great. way full length. Cool to hear those songs. Is that what they call you got to come up y- with another one, so. Uh, sorry. Go ahead, Cruiser, man. I'm just, Go ahead. I was Asking, is that what they call yacht rock? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's That's a real thing. Phenomenon. Well, yeah, that was. Mm-hmm. I guess that kind of covers a whole range of you know Steely Dan and uh, Michael McDonald, and I guess there is a yacht rock element to it. You know, um, that that song in particular has maybe that yacht rock feel to it. I would say. Yeah. Definitely, um, definitely. it's a smooth. It's a smooth, soulful sort of uh, sort of thing. Really nice. <laughs> so, Mila's good about so far. Anyway, I've seen uh, taking requests here and there. So, Abby, do you have a, a song of Mila's you would like to hear? Are you still with us? I think Abby oh, left. Um, no, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Do you got any Mila's song you just would really like to see live, or you just want to you just go with his picks? Oh my God, I've been trying to think of the one song. Oh. It sucks getting old because you just like lose something and then you can't <laughs> yeah. remember. You can sing it to us. <laughs> um, for God's sake, you don't want me to do that. You can hum it to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if you think of one, let us know. Because uh, I, I, I had another funny one I like, Moolah, the uh, do one night, the uh, Undress Me, which is fun, off the newest. I guess that's your newest EP, right? Yep, yes, indeed, Caffeine and Whiskey. Yeah, yeah, that was one. Well, see, that's one that I wrote a long, long time ago. Um, and for whatever reason, I hadn't played that often. And, and then we just decided to record it and kind of kind of like sometimes you put a song aside for a while and comes back. And that's, 
that's sort of like a semi-serious version of like the more silly, straight up silly kind of songs, you know. Um, it's like got that feel, but it's not as outlandish, like you know, talking about drizzling caramel and all that kind of stuff, you know. So well, let me ask you this about that lyric, because I'm I'm not uh, great with lyrics and whatnot, but <laughs> why is it the last thing you'd want to do? <laughs> Um, wait, uh, oh, Undress You. Okay, that one. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, okay. Well, I guess that song is kind of about, um, it's sort of, uh, trying to think back to my thought process. I wrote that a long, long time ago. It's basically about a one night stand. And I guess in mm-hmm. that moment, um, you know, sort of the character, the guy, um, is sort of thinking like, huh, yeah, this might be good in this moment. It's good, but who knows like what trouble this could lead to. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, you know, can I you? Probably the last thing I should do. Because, you know, he's thinking ahead to the next day, like, oh, no, like, you know, there's a lot that can go wrong <laughs> with this. But in that moment, you know, in that moment yeah. he wants to do it, but maybe maybe there's some bad repercussions down the road, you know, um, you know, maybe the start of a reality show. I don't know. That's possible. Oh, well, that's that a actually, good song. We love. That actually does run through a man's head every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, there are no idea what he's guys that are at least semi-sensible, you know. Yeah, um, you know, like, <laughs> reflect a little bit, you know. It's a song about reflection. Yeah, the sober one. Even though, even though it's called undress you. <laughs> yeah, probably the last thing he should do. Yeah. <laughs> Women are trouble, uh, Cruiser Mountain. Not. Women can be trouble. <laughs> Uh-huh, men are stupid, too. Hey, I can't, can't live with them, can't live without them. That's the way it works. All right. So, Moolah, you're going to be – your next show is the 23rd in Dallas, right, with Amos Lee? Yep, that's that's right. That's the uh, that's the first um, that's the first date. On, and I'm doing the um, – I guess about a three-week tour. I'm doing the first two weeks um, all through Texas and the southeast and Florida. And then um, actually the last week of shows, um, our friend Chris Casper, he's a – He's a great songwriter. He's based in Nashville now, but uh, he's from Philly originally. He um, he's opening the last week of shows, um, kind of in uh, mm-hmm. Virginia, I think, in the Northeast. But um, but I'm on those first two weeks, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to get down to Florida. It's a good time to tour down south. Like we discovered sure. the first part of the tour that I was doing on my own. We were in you know, we were in Boston and in massive snowstorm, and then we were in Burlington, Vermont, massive snowstorm. And then we drove out to Buffalo. It was a huge snowstorm on the way out there. Like, so you know, this is a good time to be down south, and uh, you know, and I mean, touring with Amos and all the guys in his band and crew. It's just always, it's like being out with, on the road with family. You know, it's like family. So, so I'm excited. What, what, t- what took you so long? I mean, I had tickets for this Amos Lee show months before he announced that you were coming here. What's, uh, how does it all of a sudden he just goes? Ah, I think I want to add Mootly. Yeah, a lot of times they um, they add support like a little closer to the shows. I guess maybe a month out or something like that. It depends, but uh, yeah, for this tour, I guess they didn't really add on the support acts. Um, uh, really, I guess yeah, until the last few weeks, the last month or so. Um, uh, but um, but it's all good, man. I mean, this is kind of a continuation of the uh, of the tour that we were already kind of doing in the fall. Like we did a bunch. I opened a bunch of dates for Amos in uh, September and October. Um, so this is still mm-hmm. kind of the same tour cycle, I guess. These are just some of the cities that he, you know, Texas and Florida, they, they didn't have a chance to get through yet. So, 
Um, but uh, it's going to be fun. And if anybody's listening, if you had a chance, haven't had a chance to see Amos' show, um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's well worth seeing. It's a great show. Yeah, I can vouch for that. And I, I knew nothing about him and just went because my wife liked him. It's, it's a lot of fun. So really he's, he's kind of goofy. It's almost like he's, uh, you know, had a few drinks or whatever. Sometimes he's just funny, but he, he clearly has it. He just he's on, but it's just he's yeah. just loose like fun. So, and I don't mean this in a this is gonna. I, don't know, I hope it doesn't come out wrong. I'm just kind of curious because I've never really understood what. What is the benefit for an artist to bring in an opening act? Uh, are they doing it because they want to help the opening act? Are they doing it because it gives them more time to get ready? Is there some something um, a reason why some artists do that and some don't? What is the what is the deal with with opening acts? I think um, support I think acts. It's, it's, I think it's all of the above. I think um, a lot of times it's uh, it can be a number of different things. It can be about showcasing. Uh, you know, lesser known or up and coming artists that that the headliner really digs. I think also if it's complimentary musically, you know, it's more of a full night of music. If maybe the headliner's playing 90 minutes or two hours, if you get a if you get an opener to an also a half hour, it's kind of like a it's like an added bonus. It's it makes a more complete show maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And I think also there's something to be said for uh, you know, especially some of these bigger places. Like even just from a pragmatic standpoint, like the bigger theaters and Amphitheaters sometimes are just having a warm-up act that as people are coming in and settling in, rather than mm-hmm. just having someone playing on the PA, you kind of got um, you got someone live up there and doing it. And so I think it's all of the above. I think it's uh, and then you see situations like someone like Springsteen, you know, he plays three hours, so <laughs> he never has an <laughs> opener. But um, you know, but I think uh, but I think it's I think it's it's I think you know I mean I've benefited from it greatly, you know, and. Um, I think it's all those things. It's spotlighting someone that the headliner digs um, and maybe adding some additional entertainment value to the show and, like I said, even the pragmatic side of it. So I, it, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's any one specific thing. Um, you know, uh, it just depends on the situation and the artist, I guess. So does Mootloo have uh, an official writer? Um, yeah, I like to have um, ten pre-peeled uh, grapefruits uh, ready and waiting. Um, five bottles of champagne, uh, three bowls of of uh, only red M&Ms. It can only be the red one. <laughs> so, you Make know it happen. It's funny because I don't have one, and I probably should. I usually just like uh, I'm not rock and roll at all with that. I mean, I like if there's some beers in there. You know that's all good. Uh, waters, you know, stay hydrated, and maybe some kind yeah. bars or something. But I've never really been good about like creating the rider. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I probably should create one, but uh, I've heard of some ridiculous ones in the past, like like <laughs> absurd things. Mr. Mel, what is I, it? Some says you you got to take the green M and M's out, or you, or what? What is his deal? Yeah, his yeah. joke. <laughs> was uh, it? Like, was, are you talking about Van Halen and no no brown M and M's or whatever? Oh, Chasm used to say something too, like he's the only green, or you got to take out green, and he had something going. He had a, a, a <laughs> skit going for. Van Halen's was though the story behind that is they would do it to see if the uh, venue promoter was paying attention to the rider. It was a test uh, because if they weren't, then they knew that the sound and everything was going to be wrong. Uh, you know, they weren't. They were. They didn't get the right. You know, amps and all that type of the back line, that type of thing. So it was a. It was a test, but. I don't. I don't believe that. I think they were just cocky. But you never know. I mean, because you know, you do. You probably. You probably run it. They. There. There are some venues and places that try to substitute things that the artists are requesting, 
that doesn't go over very well sometimes. So, uh, it yeah, probably I, might have been. A- I never knew that about the Van Halen thing. So it was really just to see if they were even paying attention. It wasn't about being so particular about the naps. Yeah, because there there are some that you know, you'll tell them you want. You know this type of guitar, and they go, "Well, this one's similar, and we'll just get that one." You know, and they then they try to shortcut, and right. some of the artists they don't tolerate that. You know, we'll Todd see, has a yeah. specific response. Yeah. So yeah, if it's maybe that was... that's different. That's different. See, that's hmm. more like as far as like you know drinks and stuff. I I mean that I I can see, but um, if it's about like you know you're renting gear and the, and they have to then I, then I could understand. Like, mm-hmm. that's important because, you know, if you're looking for a certain type of thing, a certain sound or a certain guitar that needs to be rented or, uh, you know, then I, mm-hmm. then I see it. they got to make sure. Oh, yeah, it know, happens a lot. They'll try to substitute an amp or, uh, you know, this, that, and other, the, the you know, boards, depending on where you are. It's it's, it's common uh, that they, they're negotiating that the whole time. But, um, you know, some artists just specifically want this type of thing, and they, there's no substitute. Like, Todd constantly tours with a line six, and if you can't find it, which is not always that easy, you know, you, you got to find something that's close or try to find, do your best to find one. But uh, apparently, they, you know, there were a lot of people that weren't paying attention to certain things. They wanted to make sure that they were, and if they weren't, they knew at uh, that point they needed to step up their game. You know, the, the tour guys, the, 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 the roadies and whatnot, it's okay, this promoter's not paying enough attention. We're going to have to check every little thing. <laughs> so right. David Lee Roth doesn't come out and cuss us. <laughs> or whatever, right, exactly. you know. See, yeah, I mean, um that that I can see like especially if you're like an electric uh you know, mm-hmm. if you are looking for a very particular sound and particular tone and that part of mm-hmm. that equation is the right amp and the right board, that then I see it. I mean that would be frustrating. I guess my thing is so bare bones that I guess I just show up and plug in and play. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe in time I'll start amping it up a little more. I've thought about playing more electric. It's just like solo electric guitar doesn't really, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess you could do it, but uh, you never know. Maybe next thing I'll be showing up with like distorted guitars and um, <laughs> big Marshall speakers and stuff. <laughs> well, we'll let everybody in a little secret. We had a we uh, we did this. has been long enough now. We did a watch uh, Wizard of True Star tour with Todd, and we did one in Ventura, California. And this venue mm. is the only stand-up we did for that tour, and there was some issue with the power and the plug, so they were not able uh-huh. to give a a center spot light. So if you look at the photos from that show, you'll notice they have this kind of odd gold color, and that's why that we never had this correct lighting. <laughs> we just the, the 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 roadies at the time who aren't there anymore, so I can talk about them. Were were scared to death, and and they just. <laughs> Kind of pretended that it wasn't an issue, and they got away with it because I don't know if Todd ever noticed it, but we were all just mortified, you know, like what's going to happen. Oh, but it's out. But the pictures are very unusual looking because of this missing light because they couldn't run the cord far enough or whatever. But you know, there's a lot of details that go into putting on a show that people, you know, behind the well, scenes yeah, are and just I know crazy. When you guys do the shows. You got to consider all that stuff from A to Z because you guys serve as a, uh, you know, promoter host in that situation, right? So that's like, so you've gotten pretty tuned into like. What needs to be done, especially if there's the shows that are bigger production value, right? Yes, right. you got to, and then you know, there's also not in your situation because you you have a mic and you know maybe a guitar uh, speaker, but it's the the sound guys don't like to share their boards, you know, with opening acts. Sometimes right. it's just a lot of crazy stuff that goes on. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Abby, we're gonna put you on the spot. Have you figured out your song choice yet? Are you with us? Of course. Yes. Can you hear me? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weight of the world. 
Weight of the World. Uh-oh. Uh, that's a good one. Right on. You want to hear a little acapella, Weight of the World? Nobody he wants to hear it live that. with uh, on the 23rd, but we'd love to hear it acapella, too. Oh, sure, yeah. I can, bust, I can put that in a set. No problem. Definitely. I'll put it in a set. I'll, I'll do a little snippet now, and then uh, um, I'll just do a little verse into the chorus, and then I'll, I'll, play, I'll play it in the set for sure. I was actually thinking about including that on some of the shows. Um, it's not one I play as much for that. But uh, when you feel all alone, like a stranger mm-hmm. everywhere you go, your best day still to come. Just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know that wherever I be, you always got a place beside me. So just make yourself at home. Mm-hmm. If you got the weight of the world, the weight of the world on you. Baby, let me take the weight of the world, the weight of the world of you. Just a little teaser. Oh, that was so beautiful. Thank you. Oh, you made my day. Thank you. That's a great song, too. Uh, I, I all right, now I want to go to Dallas and see that live. Yeah, maybe we can do it in Birmingham here. All right, cool. Yeah. You're going to love the Alabama Theater, by the way, here in Birmingham. It's a fantastic theater. Oh, I was looking out some pictures of it, man. That's, yeah, it looks like a beautiful place. Is that like one of those spots from the 20s that they uh, that they um, sort of renovated, like an old movie house? Yeah, it's old school. It's bigger than that. It's it's over 2,000 capacity. Nice, nice. So, uh, they got a new theater they built across the street called the Lyric that's 700 capacity. They just did a big project, took years and a lot of donations. But it's it's a it's a nice Really nice theater, you'll like it. And uh, Mel and I actually promoted a show there. You might know, you know, who Brian McKnight is. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah we did a Brian McKnight show there. It was it was great. Really good stuff. Wow, that's yeah. awesome, man. How was that? I mean, I've never seen him live, but um, man, I love. Oh, he was great. I love, I love his records. And he hey, it was actually man. no band show. He did it with uh, his his two kids were involved, and it was uh, piano, and it was it was really good. He's good stuff. Oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. He does a great. But Alabama Theater's got a long wow. history, and it's tons of bands have been there. I've seen uh, Bonnie Raitt. I've seen Jackson Brown, George Thurgood, all kind of bands there. So it's got a lot of history. I'm sure the one in Dallas probably uh-huh. does too. But yeah, you're gonna get to play some great places. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I don't know. it's probably I'm hard to keep track of all those things. Maybe I ought to keep a <laughs> diary on that. You know, I try. One day to you'll be like, oh, there. And like a kind of a photo archive, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good thing about today. You got you can put everything. If you just dig back into your Facebook photos, you can see where you are. But uh, exactly, <laughs> we're amazed sometimes. Uh, you know, Chasm and Todd will be on here every now and then on the show, and their memory just blows us away sometimes. They'll remember details about shows from the seventies. It's just it's amazing. Wow! So, wow, man! That'll be you one day. Yeah, I hope so, man. <laughs> You know, longevity—that's yeah. the hardest thing in music—is longevity. You look at guys like Todd and uh, Daryl and John. I mean, these guys have been doing it, coming on almost fifty years now. You know, it's like that's—that's yeah. uh, that's true success is to endure. You know, um, that's uh, you know to be doing it and doing it impactfully for that long. That's that's not easy. So, what else would you do if you couldn't do this? You say you're something—you know—you just decided you were done with the music business. What else? What would you do? Uh, Man, I don't know. Maybe I would, um, you know, maybe I would get into teaching. You know, I don't know. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe try to run for uh, for office. You know, get into politics. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, I can see you doing that. Yeah. Philly, the Philly mayor, Lou. Exactly, awesome. man. Moot, Lou, Moot, Mayor Moot. That's what they call me, Mayor Moot. That's what they might call me. Moot Mayor. <laughs> Philly. That'd be awesome. Well, don't quit exactly. the music business. We'd rather do that than politics, for God's sakes. That's for sure. Um, no, you'll probably I, I mean, be I'm, happy. I'm in it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. See, I've been in it. I've been doing it, you know, for for long enough now that it's hard to picture doing anything else, you know, even though it is a grind, even though it's kind of a struggle at times. So, well, have you, you ever, know. um, you ever had people ask you to write music for them? People that aren't good songwriters, but good singers. You know, I haven't, um, gotten into that so much, although it's something I would be interested in. I mean, there's a lot of that in Nashville. And that's why you mm-hmm. see a lot of people gravitating to Nashville. Um, that's something I haven't explored quite as much, but I think I could do it just because I enjoy, like, the co-writing thing. You know, and mm-hmm. a lot of times those situations you'll get with an artist that's maybe looking for material. I mean, and there's always the thing if you could just bring someone a song. But mm-hmm. I know, like, a lot of artists that need help with writing or that want, um, you know, just that want to bring people in to help them generate material. It's, like, it's usually better if it's kind of hands-on and you can kind of write together and maybe help them sort of uh, shape the song, you know? Um, and I, there's a ton of that in Nashville, I know. Uh, I, have, you, that. have you been, uh, I know you've been to Nashville. I've thought about road tripping, but have you Have you played the Bluebird? I've never played the Bluebird. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a legendary place. Uh, last time I was there, I played this uh, place, the Five Spot, and I got mm-hmm. a buddy down there, this guy, Jason Eskridge. He's a Nashville-based guy. He's an incredible singer. And, um, mm-hmm. Uh, he and he and his friend Sid, uh, they host this event every other Sunday at the Five Spot uh, called Sunday Night Soul, and they they do a lot of different events. Um, and uh, so I kind of like um, last time I was there, I did that event. But uh, Nashville's tough. Like it's I don't think it's a city you want to just show up and and just mm-hmm. play. Kind of like LA is like that too. Like it's better if you kind of have people you know who are kind of in the mix of things and kind of have a community there. Um, and, uh, but I know the bluebird is like, that's, that's sort of like the quintessential Nashville sort of songwriter room. Hopefully I get to play there at some point. Uh, that'd be fantastic. Chasm. I saw Chasm there actually with, uh, and there's a guy, I think his name was Jason actually. That's the singer for Chicago was in the audience. He got up and did a song. I mean, it's just a, it's a, for a singer songwriter like yourself, it's a great place. They had, they had, you know, four different singer songwriters and, you know, they just would tell their story and sing a song. And some of them weren't nice. the singers of the hit songs. They wrote them, but they weren't the actual, you know, they re- may have written a song for whoever, Garth Brooks or whatever. But they wrote the right. song. It was just, it's a, it's very small. It's a really cool place. And I'd love to see you there sometime. Be, yeah. Yeah, there aren't many of those left. So yeah. uh, love, love listening rooms. There's, uh, have you played any city wineries yet? Yeah, I played um, – Actually, I I played the one in New York um, a few years ago, a number of years back now. Actually, I guess it was probably more yeah. seven years ago. Um, and uh, I haven't been to any of the other ones, but um, I mean, I know they're kind of popping up all over the place. There's a handful of them, in different cities. There's Atlanta's um, got one now, Chicago, Nashville. It's uh, it's they they call yeah. themselves listening, but uh, you know, it depends yeah, on the audience, I guess. I mean, uh, yeah. Eddie's Attic is quintessential listening room. That's a great place. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. You know, I, I love I love that place. And uh, there was a room like that in Philly that just closed down called the Tin Angel um, Club. Passine did it really? Yeah, Tin Angel closed down. They're going to reopen, I guess, in a bigger space. But uh, 
That was a real wow. silly institution. Uh, Club Pat Steam in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That's a great listening room. Um, mm-hmm. Well, uh, Kaz yeah, was played Ten Angel times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I, I've never seen his uh, solo show. How I, I've heard, I've heard it's really good. Um, it's you know, I know he kind of like splits the time with Todd and various other things. But uh, I'd like to check his solo show. It's usually just oh, you definitely should. You, y'all should do one together. We got him with, uh, together with Elliot Lewis one time and did a show in New York. Um, oh, nice. Those Elliot kind of shows great. are always fun. Yeah, they both did their own thing, but then they got together and did One World and a couple other songs. It, it's it's always fun to bring a couple of good artists together like that. We'll have to do that sometime. Chasm shows are fun. Oh, he's he's it's a lot like your solo show. Very personal. He talks a lot. He, and he sings his songs. And he doesn't have a band. It's it's um, nice. very similar. Be, that'd be a lot of fun. Have you two guys together? No doubt. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'd love to. I agree. So what's what's next for Mootloo? I mean, what's your next plan? You got anything new coming up? New album? New EP? New video? Um, right now I just kind of been in tour mode, you know, so got a couple more weeks. I mean, all told between my tour and this, um, run of shows, the is we're going to be out for, I guess, almost five weeks. So I guess when I get back in the spring, I'm going to, um, you know, work, just kind of get into writing mode. And, uh, um, we're talking to my buddy Darius, who did the last couple of EPs with me about doing another song. Um, and, um, you know, just, uh, just um, maybe keep making some videos and keep and start booking stuff for the summer and the fall. And, um, you know, my thing is I don't really – I've come to a thing where I don't uh, – my thing is just keep working and, and keep trying to put content out there and uh, and um, and keep, um, you know, just keep uh, keep busy. And I don't try to make it too much of like a – the old record business was like, well, we'll set a release date like a year from now and this, that. I think that's kind of changed. Especially for an indie, I think you're better off just, you know, staying visible and staying busy and mm-hmm. just staying active with it, you know. So I don't want to get too much in your personal business, but I mean, it's apparently, you know, nowadays, see, back in the day, you would tour to sell an album. That's how you made money. Now, mm-hmm. uh, Todd's lot, you're not getting much out of the albums. The only the only way to to survive in the business is touring. Is that is that? Do you find that to be true? Uh, for me, a hundred percent, that's the case. I mean, yeah. um, there really is no other way. I don't know that there ever was that much uh, to be made in the records, because even if you had big records, you know, and they were on a label, there was a lot that, you know, you didn't see mm-hmm. a lot of that. So, but but now more than ever, I mean, especially for like younger kids, I mean, music is essentially free. So it's like, um, it's almost become more of a. I mean, it's still a work of art in its own way, but it's almost more like another form of promotion now. It's like you have to just think of like different revenue streams. You know, for me, it's all about the shows, you know, just staying on Mm -hmm. the road, playing as much as I can. Um, That's kind of the cornerstone for me. There's, you know, there's, you know, there's a sync licensing, getting stuff in film and television and, um, and all that, but that's, you know, that's pretty competitive. And there's, I just think the only surefire way to build it, if you're a performer is to just, is just to tour, you know, that's, that's the old sure. way. That's the tried and true way. So, for me especially, that's kind of like that's kind of the end all be all, <laughs> you know. And and you know, the records and the songs are just about, you know, building up material and and you know trying to build up a catalog, um, you know. But uh, yeah, I think that's it. It's you just got to grind. Well, you never know. Our <clears throat> earlier caller, Chris, the one that called in and told you about the Android phone. That's true. <laughs> thing, uh, right before he left our chat room, he did say that he had looked up who the uh, producer is of that TV show, 
and he's planning on contacting him and talking to him about your song Caramel. Well, there, there you go. There you go, and of course there's the epic uh, Daryl's house version of uh, that. I mean, there's the original record. I oh, yeah. think it's cool. I you played the clip from the original uh, recording, and then of course uh, there's the classic uh, Daryl's house, and that one really kind of took the cake as far as uh, just Amos and Daryl and I trading off. Oh, that's that, that is. I listen to that all. That's a fantastic video. That is good yeah, stuff, that's, especially when Daryl starts it off with your daddy's got to eat. Oh, <laughs> I just love that whole thing. <laughs> So good. So good. who who you were on twice? Who was the other person you were on with? Uh, well, the first time I was on was early on. Like I was on one of the first episodes, and um, that was before it was on TV. It was purely an internet show then, and uh, mm-hmm. that was a split episode with me and Chuck Prophet. So I was the first half of it, and then Chuck Prophet was the second half. But um, but basically my four songs were just we you know um, we did a couple of my tunes, a couple of Daryl tunes, and um. We actually did a, a cool uh, reggae man-eater because apparently John Oates, he had to kind of, when he brought in the original idea, it was kind of like a more of a reggae thing, you know? So we uh-huh. kind of took it back to how they had originally conceptualized it when John first brought the idea, and we played, like, the reggae man-eater. And we did nice. Live In It, and T-Bone was there. But that was episode seven. Um, so that was probably, oh, man, that was that was right around the time I first met Daryl, so maybe 2008 wow. or something like that. Um and so I was on that time with kind of the early going, and then it was just kind of serendipitous when Amos wound up on there years later. You know, they invited me to come mm-hmm. here to Caramel. We caramelized <laughs> it, you know, a little bit. That was awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, here's the here's the dream show right here. It's Chasm, Mutlu, Jill Sobule, all in one night. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. That awesome. That's what I'm talking about. That'd be great. Yeah, dog. Like, do it as sets or in the round? I don't know if that could go either way, I guess. But, we mixed it up. We did Chasm and Jill last year in California in Redwood, and uh, they both did their sets, and they got together, and it was, I mean, people still talking about it. We oh, just hadn't been awesome, able to man. figure out a way to do it again yet, but we're, we're we're constantly thinking about it. Chasm wants to do it. We know Jill wants to. I mean, it, it's, she's yeah. great. Uh, uh, you're great. He's great. That would be a, a really fun deal. So we'll have oh, to start man, thinking well, just, about. Yeah, it. count me in, man. That would be awesome. That'd be such a cool cross section of, uh, of styles too. I think you know that'd be really yes, cool. Yes, and, and but all three great. You know, different but great. That'd be a great Absolutely. show. Oh, all right. Man. Well, you got to get ready, man. You got to press that voice. We talked to you. We talked your head off, but we appreciate you being on, yeah. of course. And uh, oh, thank you so much you the for best. having me, man. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, good. I'm glad you liked it. We look forward to having uh, or seeing you here soon, Dallas, and Abby Ray will be there. We got Rosemary in Georgia. You're gonna come to Alabama. You know, everybody yes, get out there. Mootloosounds.com. You can get the tour dates. He's gonna be doing a lot of shows with Amos Lee. If you don't know who that is, believe me, you will enjoy his show. Uh, and Mootloo gets a good bit of time as a support act. It's a lot of fun, and uh, you can't go wrong. So, all right, well, brother, we appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon here in Beeham. Uh, Thanks so much, guys. Great talking with you. I'll see you soon. Take right, care. Sounds good. All right, everybody. That's a wrap. You're listening to Runger Radio. We will be back sometime soon, and uh, we appreciate Mootloo being our guest. See you, Crazy Mel. Bye. Hi, everybody. This is Todd Rundgren, and you're listening to RundgrenRadio.com. You are the crown of the crown, my friend. Thank you so much for your support.